The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. So hello, everyone. In this room and online, there's a whole lot of people online too, which is, which is wonderful. I'm just gonna change that. Um, I see someone here in Germany and I see someone in Milan. Que bueno, que bene. <laughs> it's wonderful to see you all online uh, in this iPad in front of me and as you can see, uh, full Zendo. I appreciate your coming and, and doing this today. So important to honor our Shuso, Shugo, who has been so, uh, so powerful during this, during this whole period of helping us set up our, uh, our interactive portion of uh, uh, our online portion uh, of our Zendo activities. And then once he became Shuso, just kind of really leading us in a beautiful way. Uh, and I appreciate you very much, Shugo. Um, uh, and yesterday, uh, Shugo, along with Serio, led us in a very creative and delightful practice. Uh, a workshop on the luminosity of everyday life, which is, of course, what we've been studying during this Ango period. Uh, and it was a wonderful reminder of the possibilities emergent for us at all times. Just walking around New York City, you can see. Just looking in your garden, you can see. Or at the potted plants on your windowsill, you can see you can see the most profound teachings of the Dharma. And uh, Seryu and uh, Shugo showed us that yesterday so beautifully. It was very appreciated. Uh, let's see, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the experience of, of Zazenkai that we all are having here in this room together. And then I look on the screen and I see all of us also together. And, uh, and that's a beautiful thing. I wonder if that screen could also represent the Sangha, the online Sangha. That would be so terrific that you would all here feel the presence of the others. That's so important to us. It is the way we find ourselves alone and together seated mind practicing together it was so important uh, so in order for a zazenkai to run smoothly either here or somewhere else uh, online uh, we all have to know our service positions we have to be trained um, it is another wing of practice uh, those of us uh, here in the zendo Pay attention to our posture, pay attention to our stillness, just out of appreciation to everyone else in the room. 
uh, so that we can sit together. And so too online, as I look at the screen, uh, everyone is sitting in the proper posture, appreciating and also creating this Sangha, this wonderful together Sangha that we're experiencing here. So staying awake, whether online or in person is the crucial issue. Uh, it encourages our own alertness. And that alertness carries in to our ordinary life. We began to realize the importance of our attitude, of our very breath, as we step onto a subway car, as we began to cook a meal. Even the simplest of tasks, how we are in our body is of great importance. How, what we are communicating, whether it's to ourselves or our cats, <laughs> whether it's to our plants or the people that are around us as we walking down the street. It's just to remind us in particular, that our practice is always activating. If we notice, if we pay attention, just look at your life. So I appreciate the training that we do here, uh, both online and in person. We can benefit from the practice of these simple rituals that we do. So at the end, today, at the end of this Zazengai, we're going to engage in a ritual um, designed to prepare our Shuso uh, for his encounter with the Sangha tomorrow. Uh, as you know, after years of practice and completion of many, many koans, a Zen student may be asked to serve as a senior student uh, and then offer encouraging talks to the community. And there's a ritual associated with that. A student is first asked to serve as Shuso or Sangha leader. And the process offers the Shuso a chance to give his first, his or her first or their first Dharma talk on a koan. And what's most fun of all, to respond to the Sangha's questions about that koan. I assure you there's great wisdom in Shusa Hosen and a lot of hilarity. So I encourage you to join us tomorrow uh, for that practice. And today's ceremony, a little while later uh, today, uh, will ritually uh, offer uh, the Shuso his koan. Uh, and we'll have a quick cup of tea to appreciate that with him. Uh, there's a little drum, a little bell, a ritual way of saying, this is important to us. That's what it's all about. That's what ritual is all about. Hey, pay attention. This is important to us. Somebody has worked really hard for five or six years, really hard, trying, trying, trying. 
supporting the community, studying the Dharma. And yes, we celebrate that. And we say, hey, not only that, but you got to give a talk. Let's see what you got. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And I've, I hope you, you join us tomorrow for that. Uh, so for those of you who may not know Shugo well, you know, he is uh, a musician, a visual artist, and an audio engineer. Uh, and he has been just an incredible helpful to our community, setting up our whole audio setup uh, and all uh, so much of our online work uh, in conjunction with other members of the community. Uh, so you could call Shugo an old-fashioned Shuso, popping up wherever something's needed. Doesn't have to be auto engineer, audio engineering. It could be sweeping the the floor. That's an old-fashioned Shuso. Uh, so all of that is in, by way of explaining to you uh, what's going on this weekend. The Shusohosen uh, tomorrow and the special uh, rituals that we'll observe today. So I also want to just offer some uh, helpful ways uh, for us to meet this crazy world that we're living in now. I mean, I, I hope you're not as addicted as I am to all the news sources that come flooding into my iPhone at 5.15 every morning when I wake up. And I spend an hour kind of filtering through all of the political news uh, in this country and around the world. And I can tell you all these details and it's, uh, it's very stressful. Then I go send Sazen. <laughs> Thank goodness for Sazen. <laughs> um, but not to make light of the tragedy, uh, the injustice, the violence uh, that we see. I mean, just yesterday, that what happened in San Francisco, uh, the, the craziness of people, people who are sick, emotionally disturbed, and who are, who are being triggered into violent and unwise acts. I mean, one has to feel sorrow for everyone involved uh, in, in various things that are happening. And, you know, to be honest, uh, when I get off my uh, high horse, I see that there's also there's a lot of anger in me. It's not just the culture or the society or the the other side, the right wing, it's, there's also anger here. Uh, it feels like dukkha, the Buddhist principle of suffering, sense of kind of the unsatisfactoriness. Things are not the way I would organize them in the world, right? And, you know, I feel a little helpless that I can't 
make a difference in the world, really. I can make a small difference to the guy who asked for a dollar on the street when I come out of the supermarket. I can make little differences. But when I see what's happening in the world, I, I, I feel uh, disempowered, really. Just watching what's going on doesn't serve to change anything. Uh, so much greed and anger and class war, racial war. Sometimes I just feel grief stricken at such suffering. So, of course, the question is, what does the Dharma offer us as consolation for this situation? What does it offer us? The wisdom to not hate. The wisdom to not hate. To not hurt others. It rises out of our practicing, our daily practicing of not being reactive. of not engaging in the delusional mind that is always available. And noticing, and this is the hardest part, that we are part of absolutely everything, that we are not separate from the hatred that's out there. Our very lives depend on the lives of others. We are all together in this. We may not want to look at the suffering. We may want to look away. But we really have no choice. We are part of the whole thing. We can't just go off. We're part of it all. So when we look, we say, well, how can I, what can I do about this? How can I serve as a bodhisattva? So, as I said at the beginning, just by showing up for our Zazen meditation is the beginning of serving as a bodhisattva. We begin to awaken ourselves. So we offer a little light, a little awakeness. We wake up when we see ourselves, when we see what's around us. And that waking up extends and offers the possibility of compassion and wisdom to this suffering world. Many times I've shared with you, you know, what it's like uh, walking through the drug section of Washington Square Park. Uh, it, it fills me with uh, sadness and I feel a, tragic sense and a sense that there's nothing that I can do uh, except monitor my judgmental mind 
and appreciate that what I'm witnessing is a kind of suffering uh, for which I don't have tools, but which at least by my presence, by my openness, by my acknowledging uh, what is there, I began to try to find ways to be of service and to help this level of despair that we see with the drugs, the druggies. It's so sad. So there is one uh, Buddhist principle that I find very helpful. And you can find it in uh, something called the four methods of a bodhisattva. So what are the four methods that we might use to be of service? Um, and it, the four methods come originally from the Sigalavanda Sutra uh, and um, scripture and uh, the Vimalakirti scripture, you'll find it there too. Um, and then of course, our, our old buddy Dogen uh, wrote about uh, these four methods um, in the 13th century. So the four methods that we might consider and practice are freely giving, let that sink in, freely giving, kind speech, beneficial action, and identity action or cooperation. Those experiences, they, they arise out of an experience we might have at interdependence, an experience we might have right now as you look at your screen or as you look at each other in the room. We feel our, our intimacy with one another. That's where these four principles arise from. And, uh, you know, today in this space, we're practicing meditation and liturgy. So that helps us to experience these four aspects more deeply. The first method is freely giving. The energy of letting go of me and mine and, and giving, just offering. I noticed at the beginning of this COVID time uh, that my usual generosity kind of contracted because uh, I'm pretty liberal on the streets usually. And I just noticed it, <laughs> you know, even my regulars that I always give to, I just kind of found myself walking another block around I wondered what that was, with the fear that I had that was now creeping in to that marvelous experience of generosity when our heart opens and we offer whatever we can. You know, it doesn't always have to be money. It can be a moment where eyes meet. It is generosity. It's a feeling that we can offer. Um, Dogen says, uh, the size or the worth of the gift is not as important. That's what the point I'm making. But what's important is the act of giving, that energy. He says, whenever we give, we receive. We acknowledge that we're connected. And he says, even when you give a particle of dust, you should rejoice in your own act 
because you correctly transmit the merit of all Buddhas and practice and act of a Bodhisattva. So I'm encouraging all of us to just allow ourselves to experience the feeling of giving. It doesn't matter how much or what, but give. Allow that openness in the chest to arise. And there are opportunities everywhere. A kind word. A smile in the elevator. You can change the way someone feels just by your presence. So I want to ask myself every day, how can I give? in a small way and in a large way to my community? Is there some sort of community action I can take? Something I can do? I'm on the email list of the Sing Sing, uh, the people in our Sangha that go to Sing Sing. I'm just copied on the list. And there is, there's constant uh, difficulty with the administration of the prison. And, and so these people, these are our Sangha members I'm talking about, who go to Sing Sing on Sundays and practice with the community there. And the stuff that they have to deal with is, you would not believe it. You would not believe what they have to go through in terms of having all the I's dotted and all the T's crossed and all the exams taken and all the answers correct and on and on and on. That is a magnificent offering. Before they even get inside the prison, they have done enormous gift. And I'm so grateful to you all. Uh, you know who you are. Several of you are here today. Thank you for that. And the second method <laughs> of the bodhisattvas is uh, kind speech. So, we all can bring up in our minds, and since I just talked about the Sing Sing thing, you know, kind speech in terms of those poor, overworked uh, uh, people that work at Sing Sing that are causing the difficulties. And then how do, you, how do you meet them with kind speech when you go through the gate and they've screwed up again and you can't get in and blah, blah, blah. How do you offer kind speech at such a time, right? without being, or without expressing the anger you may feel. You may have the anger, but how do you not express it and create more? Dogen suggests that we speak with the feeling of compassion for all living beings, as if they were babies. Now, I like that. Uh, so. Because in fact, when someone is being contrary and difficult, they are being like a baby. They're just got, they just go back into, you know, the grasping that a baby has, the kind of, uh, the insecure ego of the baby. Uh, so just when that happens, just look at them and speak to them as if they were babies. <laughs> I think that's a, a, a wonderful uh, tip. Uh, so soft-faced, compassionate speech. 
consider that. You know, it's hard when you reach someone with a different political point of view. It is really hard. But just remember, treat them like a baby. We love babies, even when they're crying. We love them. We know that we, well, we might forget for a moment that we love them <laughs> until we change their diapers and get them to uh, settle down. But this we can do too with those people who have different views, but are really suffering and want to be seen, want to be heard. How can we reach them? Because that's the key to political change. So the third quality of a bodhisattva is action, helpful conduct. So what is that? What, what, what could that be? And it's so simple, really. It doesn't require uh, a lot of thought. It's just responding to what's needed in the moment. Freely giving, just freely giving. So sometimes it's speaking up when you notice that someone's being targeted because of their skin color or their gender or their ethnicity or their class. Or whatever makes them a targeted other change the energy, whether it's on the subway or at work, on the street or in stores, it can be done. And it's not so not difficult. Just offer helpful conduct, step in. Another way, of course, is to go on demonstrations or to donate, to support the well-being of this country and this world. Dogen says, helpful conduct is the whole of the Dharma. <laughs> That's just it. Uh, use your wisdom to offer helpful conduct. Don't turn away. What can I do? What can I do in this situation? How can I help? Dogen says, if we realize this state of mind, helpful conduct will be enacted even in the grass, wind, and water. In everything we do, you have the desire for helpful conduct, then we will be courageous enough to act appropriately. So finally, the fourth of the uh, bodhisattva virtues is what he calls identity action, cooperation. The characters show identity, purpose, and doing. So it's an active. He says, when we know identity action, self and other are oneness. 
The relations between self and others are, depending on the occasion, without limit. So identity action is not just me, but the whole. Not just one, but the whole. You know, when we truly act from our deepest realization, you know, we're not separate. We're not separate from all of it. The idea of the self that is flowing in and out of all of reality. Strengthening self, the self that acts, and others. Strengthening our identity action. And then this is my favorite thing that he says, that the ocean does not exclude the rivers is identity action. River waters do not exclude the ocean either. This being so, water comes together to form the ocean. It is the ocean and it is large. And that is why it is large. So, you know, the rivers flow into the ocean. That is the way we can receive the energies of others. Wow, that flow. But we're not overwhelmed because we're like the ocean, we're large. We can contain it all. You know, I, I love this. I, I always think of the Hudson River uh, that flows into the Atlantic and then on the top. And the Atlantic, which is colder, flows in to the Hudson on the bottom. So you can see those two, the warm and the cold, flowing in and out. That is identity action. And at certain times when we can't see the other because we're so blinded by the self, it might be good to call to mind that flow of identity action. The river is flowing into the ocean and the ocean is flowing into the river. So I encourage you, try to find yourself in that description of the Bodhisattva. To give, to speak kindly, to offer help, and to act with the identity of the other. We do this because saving ourselves is saving the others. So not too. Sometimes we think it is. That's what we've been conditioned to think. But actually, it's serving everyone all the time. So I'll end with the Gatha. The great Atlantic welcomes the Hudson River's waters. Wave and water intermingle, carrying allies, bodhisattvas, ready to be of service.